Spurs point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listener-submitted questions all episode long. There's a couple ways you can get involved with Mailbag Monday if you are so inclined. First of all, just send me a tweet whenever you are thinking of an NBA or Blazers-related question. At Mike G. Rich on Twitter, just send it my way. Uh, it helps if you include Mailbag Monday, but I'll mostly understand it regardless. And maybe I'll just re- include it in the podcast on accident. The other way is to watch the skies on Monday morning. About 9 a.m. Pacific time on Mondays, I send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to that tweet. I will answer it on the show that night. The other way is to email me at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That's LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Send your questions. That way, if you want to be a little wordier, you want to um, get outside of 280 character Twitter limit, or you're someone who doesn't tweet because um, there are plenty of good reasons that you were someone who doesn't tweet, Gmail is the other outlet. So that's how you do it. That's how you get involved. We do this each week. I record on Mondays. I generally publish it on Tuesdays, but um, Mailbag Tuesdays doesn't have the same ring to it. And in any case, I ask for the mail on Mondays. That's where the branding came from. But let's get into it. We've got a great show today, a ton of good questions. Let's jump right in. The first one comes from Labby340, at Labby340 on Twitter, who asks, is Lillard already a Hall of Famer? I love this question. Uh, I... That's why I let off the show, because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I, I think I've said this on, on this this show a bunch, maybe not on Mailbag Monday, but certainly other episodes, is that I think Damon Lillard is, is destined to be the greatest Blazer of all time. I don't think, honestly, I don't think there's much question to it. Um, he's going to own every record. He's going to break all of Clyde's individual statistical records. He's going to have the longevity. Um, he's taken this team to the Western Conference Finals, which bumps him ahead of Pretty much everyone not named Clyde and Bill Walton. Walton wasn't around long enough to be considered for the best player in franchise history. He's, he's probably the best player at his peak in franchise history, but maybe not the best player. Definitely not the best player. So it really comes down to Clyde or Dame. I think Dame's already passed LaMarcus. Uh, he's, he's passed sort of that the other sheed 2000s Blazers that really didn't have the longevity to be in the conversation anyways. So he's going to end up being the greatest player in franchise history. But right now, if you were to hang it up and go pursue a marmalade-producing career, get really into preserves and other fruited condiments, and not play basketball anymore, would Dame be a Hall of Famer? My gut says yes, but not right away. And some of it is because I think his bona fides are of someone who... In time, you will look back and say, this is definitely a Hall of Fame career. This is assuming he retires at this exact moment. But in right now, he's not a first ballot Hall, Hall of Famer. He's not an early ballot Hall of Famer. In fact, he looks like a lot of guys who either aren't in or who just got in. The number one name that came to mind when I was looking this up was, I wondered when Sidney Moncrief got into the Hall of Fame. And it turns out he got into the Hall of Fame in 2019, which is probably why he was on my mind. Moncrief uh, was a star for the Bucks in the 80s. Uh, he's a five-time All-Star, five-time NBA, uh, five-time All-NBA representative. He won two Defensive Player of the Year, but he never made the NBA Finals. Two-time DPOI, never made the NBA Finals. He made the Eastern Conference Finals in 83, in 84, in 86, but 
the Sixers and the Celtics of the 80s were just better than those Bucks teams. Shout out to my guy Brian Winters. But um, so Moncrief was, in a lot of ways, he, you know, they're not similar players in any way, but in a lot of ways, that his career reminds me of Dame, someone who was very clearly one of the best players, but was going up against a group that he wasn't quite them. He wasn't Moses Malone or Kevin McHale or Larry Bird, um, but he was, he wasn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Again, shout out to Brian Winters, but he was a very, very good player and a certain star of his generation, but it took him 20 plus years to get in the league, 30, 30 years to get into the Hall of Fame. And I kind of think if Dame were to retire today, he'd be on a similar path. I liken him to Kevin Johnson, a player who's not in the Hall of Fame, who's a three-time All-Star and four-time All-NBA representative who retired with uh, just shy of double-digit assists. It's basically someone like something that only John Stockton does. You know, Dame right now, he's made five All-Star teams. He's made four All-NBA teams. He's a unanimous Rookie of the Year in 2013. I think he's someone who would in 20 years, if you retired right now, get into the league, get into the Hall of Fame. Just the way I think Kevin Johnson will get into the Hall of Fame. It could take him a little longer because he's kind of an unsavory dude. Um, He's had some legal troubles that maybe make someone like me not want to vote for him, but I don't have a vote, so it doesn't matter. Uh, I think Mark Price is another guy who's he's probably going to make the Hall of Fame as you get further and further away. He's a four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA participant. He was a star, but never a top-tier star. I think Dames had a, probably a much better career than Price uh, ended up with his final resume, but Price was a star on those 90s Cavs teams, without a doubt. So I think yes. I think the answer to your question is yes. Dame is probably a Hall of Famer if he retires right now. But he's a probably class of 2033. Next question, kind of along the same lines, comes from Ito at Ito6666 on Twitter who asks, will CJ be an all-star one day? Now, I'll be honest, I was tempted to use this space to play the hell nah drop. But I don't know if, it's this isn't a hell nah question. The, the, other things are hell nah questions. This isn't a strongly hell nah question. This is a probably not. I think CJ McCollum has played his best basketball. I think is if he's next to Damian Lillard, if he's in the Western Conference, the chances are that the Blazers are good enough to have two All-Stars seems pretty slim. It's a very crowded field. Very good players get left off the list. CJ's sort of statistical profile is always going to be somewhat limited by how much Dame has the ball in his hands and how kind of CJ, when he plays next to Dame, only thinks about scoring and not as much about the other things. We kind of saw at the end of this season that was cut short was... CJ starting to round out his game a little bit more, even when playing alongside Dame, but we haven't seen him do it for any extended period of time. He kind of is what he is, which is a very good sidekick, a very high-level sidekick. But I think the West is too crowded, and I, I like I said, I think CJ's played his best basketball. I think he might have a couple more years, three, three more years at this level, which is very, very good, an efficient 20-point-a-game scorer who averages, you know, three and three, two and three. But... There are other guys who are going to be more deserving, and there are so many players, so many good guards in the West. It hasn't gotten easier. Adding Luka Doncic doesn't make it easier. Getting Devin Booker into the All Star fraternity doesn't make it easier. 
Chris Paul won't go away. That's not making it easier. I think the the long-term bet is that CJ is not an all-star. Doesn't mean he's not good. Just probably won't be on the team. Okay, next question comes from Andy Patton. At Andy Patton, S-E-A on Twitter, who asks, The Blazers' Twitter account ran out a poll about who would win a one-on-one game between Clyde Drexler and Scottie Pippen. If you're talking about their... We're talking about during their Portland careers, then it's Clyde, no doubt. But what about if they're both in their primes? Yeah, this is an interesting one, right? Uh, I think Scotty in his prime would lock up Clyde pretty well, but I'm not sure that even prime Scotty has one-on-one type game. What Scotty was really, really good at was he's a great facilitator in transition. He's just a great player in transition. He was incredible on the break. Um, later in his career, he kind of became this sort of floor general guy who could go score, but um, but was never really suited as a one-on-one type player. So I think in their primes, Clyde was the second best shooting guard in the league in a league that included Michael Jordan. I'm still taking Clyde, although Scotty makes it really hard on him. They played a 15 by twos and threes, and Clyde wins 15-12. Second segment, we'll do more of your questions. But first, I want to tell y'all about Blinkist. It's hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have free time, you can't read or work on personal development. And there is an incredible app that solves this problem. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is truly unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, your web browser. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes you can read or listen to. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now, and it has a massive and growing library from self-help to business, health to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists, as well as classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. So right now, For a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. That's y'all. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your seven-day free trial. And you'll also receive 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist dot com slash n b a all right still mailbag monday let's keep it rolling this next question comes from just blazing at justin underscore b underscore leak on twitter who asks loved watching the roy game from the dallas series some fun players then camby dre batoon wes rudy roy lamarcus etc if you could take one player from that team to be a Blazer next season, who would it ble- who would it be? Oh, and to make things more interesting, you can't pick LaMarcus. So let's let's couch this thing in in some sort of hypothetical rules. So let's say we're taking the play the player in their 2011 form. So what you're taking is the very end of B-Roy because I think the obvious answer was just give me Brandon Roy and they'll figure it out, right? Um but let's say it's the very end of Brandon Roy. I think that makes this a little more interesting and it's the very end of the Marcus Camby's NBA usefulness. It's the end of Andre Miller's NBA usefulness. It's 
there's a logic to it. Okay, we're I'm, I'm creating this logic out of out of just Blazin's idea. But I but you know I hypoth- I love hypotheticals, so I want to I want to give them some uh, some real thought. So if you can't pick Lamarcus, because I do think Lamarcus and Beroy are the obvious two picks, you want to pick the best players and put them on a team. That's how you make teams better. That's a little hint for those of you trying to build an NBA team who might be listening. But um, who would I take? So I, I'm not I'm not taking. Old Marcus Camby, although I do think he'd be a really useful backup. Uh, I'm not taking Andre Miller because the Blazers already have too many guys who need to dribble. So I think for me, it really comes down to Nicholas Batum or Wes Matthews. And what does this Blazer team need? I don't think they need the sort of Swiss Army knife, um, passive but but occasionally spectacular Nicholas Batum. I think they need the full Bulldog Wes Matthews. Now, that might seem like an obvious pick, and it might leave the Blazers a little bit undersized on the wing, but a a real 3 and D shooter and someone who's going to bring it every night and you can rely on, I think Wes Matthews really helps this team next year. Um, Like I said, a little undersized on the wing, but I think he's he's the right choice. And uh, 2011 Wes Matthews was really about to come into his own as a basketball player. So you're getting the best of Wes Wes pre-injury. Next question comes from Labby340, at Labby340 on Twitter. Second question of the show. Congratulations, Labby. You got a double. Labby asks, how high is the possibility that Aldridge will come back? It's LaMarcus, y'all. Quick one said that they both want to play together, and Dane keeps posting pictures of him, and Aldridge himself recently posted a picture of him in a Portland jersey on Instagram. Okay, Jason didn't just say it, he wrote like a long piece about it where both of them are quoted saying on the record that they've talked about playing together. Um, I'm not coming at you, Labby, but for those of you who don't know the context, it's more than just Jason once said it in passing. He wrote like a full thing where both players were quoted saying that they'd really love to play together again, specifically in Portland. Um, so so there, was some, there was some teeth to this rumor. Real teeth. In fact, um, teeth belonging to Damon Lamarcus. Uh, I haven't, I don't know the Dame picture you're referencing and I, and I should have looked it up for hitting record in this podcast, but I haven't, but I am familiar with the picture that LaMarcus, that you said LaMarcus posted. It wasn't, it was, I thought it was going to be a picture of him and Dame cause it was like a TBT type thing or flashback Friday, whatever it was, but it was a picture of him and, uh, Jamal Crawford, the, who LaMarcus famously recruited to come to Portland cause he thought he'd really love it. Um, the season ended terribly with the coach fired and the team quitting. Hilarious. Um, how real is the possibility? I think it's real. I think there's some barriers to entry. There's some obvious barriers to entry. One being that LaMarcus Aldridge is a member of the San Antonio Spurs. Two, he is going to come up and be a free agent in the summer when the max contract extensions for Dame and CJ have kicked in. So the Blazers aren't going to have money to spend. It's going to be hard to add LaMarcus at at that age, he will probably not command a premium on the market, but I don't think at 34, he's going to be a minimum guy just yet. Uh, I think he'll be approaching that, and he'll probably, he might not play much above what his salary will command, but on the open market, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is going to command, you know, he's not It's not gonna, He's not going to be a $2 million player. He's going to be uh, probably the full mid-level is probably the lowest you can imagine. So you're talking $9 million. And the Blazers are probably, you know, 9 or 10. We don't know what the salary cap's going to be. But I, I don't know if the Blazers are going to have that much money. So I think that's a barrier to entry. I think the other barrier to entry is that I don't think Neil Olshay is a big LaMarcus fan. I think he's a big, da- I, you know, I think uh, Neil is a fan of winning. 
He's a fan of Damian Lillard. He's a fan of keeping Damian Lillard happy. So if this was a type of thing that was realistic and Dame said, go do it, I don't think I don't think Neil is the guy who's going to hold it back. I don't want to, I don't want to insinuate that, but I don't think this is a thing that Neil really loves. I think he was happy to be, have LaMarcus out of his hair um, and, and just not have to deal with uh, the things that made LaMarcus being the star more difficult on the front office. So how high is the possibility? Do you want a number? Do you want a letter grade? Um, I think it is, I would give it a, 15% chance of happening. So it's like a non-zero number. Um, It's certainly not more likely. Um, It's not even... Yeah, I'd say 15%. That he's that he becomes a blazer again, and I would probably if I I would take the under on that. I just think there's I think it's hard to get there. I think that I think the timing is going to make it hard to get there. But uh, stranger things have happened, and uh, if he really wants to make it happen, I'm sure that there is a f- way that he can do it with how the finances work in the league at the time. All right, next question comes from Tam Terrius at Tam five three three seven six three six two. Listen, I make fun of everyone with too many numbers in your Twitter handle, Tam, my friend. It's too many numbers in your Twitter handle. You need to figure that out. Your question, though, is, considering how much the Blazers love to nurture mediocre guys, would it be worth trying to get Mo Bamba for that third big role? He's decent in drop coverage, plays nothing like a big, which in this case is good, and could develop into a good enough spacer to play with both bigs. So when I read this, I was thinking to myself, Tam, Nurture mediocre guys is a really mean way to put it, but then I kind of thought about it and I considered um, the Mario Hazonia and Scalabissier attempts or whatever you want to call it. Um, the trading back to get Caleb Swanigan and bring him into the fold thing. So yeah, I think you're right. I think nurture mediocre guys is totally their thing. Um, but the way the Blazers like to describe it, the way Neil uses the, the terms he uses are, are second draft. So he likes to go after guys who were formerly high draft picks, formerly lottery picks, considered sort of consensus, very good players in their draft class that haven't worked out for whatever reason. He's done this better in the past. Uh, Alfred Okamini and Mo Harkless have certainly been better than the Mario Hazonia ex- experiment. Um, but overall, it depends on what the price is for Mo Bamba. Uh, he's a lottery pick, so the last couple years of his rookie deal are, they're not super cheap. They're cheap, but they're not like wild cheap for being a, a top 10 pick like he was. I think he went sixth. He might have gone seventh off the top of my head. Another thing I should have looked up before the podcast started, but I didn't. Sorry. In any case, I, I think if the price is right on Bamba, he's the type of player that wouldn't that would be useful for them to take a take a swing on. Although in general, while I trust the Blazers' ability to develop players and sort of maybe get the most out of guys who weren't good in other spots, I'm not a big Mo Bamba believer. And I think that the Blazers' patience for development should maybe be a l- run a little bit thinner because your best players' time to win is now. So I would be, if I'm building a team, if I'm building a Blazer team, I want a roster that has more guys that can win you games immediately and less projects. Okay, next question comes from Jack. Loyal Blazers pod listener, at Jack Parshall on Twitter, who asks, I think the season is done. With no vaccine available at the soonest, at soonest a year from now, no good access to serology testing, plus the public relations circus of players getting tested and hiring a healthcare workforce to have a basket to have basketball when others are suffering and dying. You, Jack, I have been skeptical, but I haven't really laid out my thoughts on this. So thank you for forcing me to do it. After you asked this question, Adam Silver did 
uh, interview with Ernie Johnson on the NBA's social media sites, Instagram and Twitter, I believe, both live. Um, And Adam Silver said basically that he's told people within the NBA or, to, or basically just like anyone who, his people who are asking, his teams and players and things, that basically that the NBA can't possibly have a real answer about where things are headed in terms of starting the season until at least May 1st. But he also said in the same interview that they just have too little information right now. So they've stopped considering specific dates. And he admitted Without, in, not in a hard way. The, the quotes were pretty rough. I tried to transcribe them a little bit after listening to them before. This is the one thing I did do before hitting recording the podcast is listen to Adam Silver. But he, he, he did say that there is a time when it just won't make sense for the league. That they'll have to drop, they'll have to drop the season. They'll have to give up on it because it'll run too much into the next season. And they won't give them the sort of runway they need for an off season and time off. And there's just, it'll be too much of a logistical challenge because time does exist. We're not doing this um, outside of time. There is a real calendar that they're up against. But he says there's too much unknown right now. And to me, what that reads like is no. Season's done. I think it's a real bummer. I think it's a real bummer for a guy like LeBron James playing as, as well as you can play in year 17 or whatever, year 18. I think it's a bummer for Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's putting together one of the great team seasons ever, probably going to win a second straight MVP and have a chance to win a first title and cement a legacy, and he won't have a chance to do it. It's a bummer for anyone vying for a contract where the playoffs could have got them their money. It's a bummer for Yusuf Nurkic, who is days away from returning to basketball and has had it taken away from him. But I don't I don't think it's going to happen. There's too many hurdles, too many unknowns. Uh, the possibility of starting a quarantine league in Vegas where the players play under a bubble and don't leave and... You, you know, stay in one hotel and all the all the logistical things I've seen floated are just, they don't seem very likely. And it makes me sad because I love the NBA. Uh, more than, much more than I love the Blazers. I don't really, I'm not emotionally attached to the Blazers, but I am emotionally attached to the league itself. And I'm bummed to have thought for a while now and really saying it out loud to y'all listening right now. I don't think the NBA is coming back. Not this year. And that makes me sad. All right, third segment. Keep it a little lighter. We'll close the we'll close the show with uh, like we usually do with some random questions, more fun stuff. Stick with us. All right, still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Still Pastor's point guard and still Mailbag Monday. Let's close out the show answering more of your questions, shall we? This next one comes from Logan Gillis at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, "In doing your rewatchables episodes." Listen, rewatchables might be someone else's IP, Logan, so let's call them what I've branded them, Retro Rewatch. Please respect the brand, I know you do. In any case, in doing your Retro Rewatch episodes, which former Blazer stuck out to you as being better than you remember slash had thought they were, and who stuck out to you as worse than you remember? So worse than I remember, that's kind of hard to say because I'm watching these like one-off games and mostly in the playoffs, so there's not many like bad, bad dudes playing, many bad players. Um, In one of the games I watched, Cliff Robinson was horrific. Uh, In another game I watched, he was really good, (laughs) so that's a mixture. But I think like truly better than I remember them being is Kevin Duckworth. Um, I didn't grow up in Oregon, so these... 
these would have been teams of my childhood to give you a sense of how old I am. But, uh, these weren't teams of my childhood. Uh, the, you know, Jerry Stackhouse was and Rashid Wallace were the team, George Lynch, Eric Montross. These were the, these were the teams of my childhood, go Tar Heels. Um, so I didn't really have a perception of Duckworth. You know, I knew that he was a player that people love, but I, I thought in the games I've watched of those 90 and 92 championship teams that he's been way better than I, than I, um, than I remembered him being, or than I really maybe even knew about him being. And who's been worse? Like I said, Cliffy was pretty bad in one of those games. Um, Neither of the games I've watched, I don't think Clyde has been spectacular, but I think if it wasn't Duckworth, I would say Clyde stuck out to me as being better because he just he just does things that superstars do, where he has a bad game and he had 28-7-6, and six, um, or the Blazers' offense just didn't score for a while until Clyde bailed them out. Uh, but to answer who's been worse, if I really have to pick someone who's been worse, I'll go with Danny Young. That isn't even fair to Danny Young, but you made me pick someone, so it's Danny Young. All right, next question comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, Since you are considering adding Star Trek to your watch list, are there any other major pop culture items that you've never partaken of that might surprise people? For example, I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad or listened to a full Kanye West song. Listen, Kanye West is a problematic, uh, I'm looking for a better term, but shithead. Um, so maybe don't listen to his new music, but uh, he was... In- important of my uh, formative years and I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is one of the great hip-hop albums that has ever come out so yeah you know maybe check that out sorry Matthew but you know head head in that direction but what have I not seen Um, I've never seen an episode of Stranger Things I've never seen an episode of True Detective but I think the big one the big one that's obviously missing is I've never seen Terminator 2 sorry whoops I got um, a lot of evenings off now. My evenings are much freer, so maybe I'll watch Terminator 2 and get back to you. I was pressured by um, the former asker, Logan Gillis, pressured me into watching Blue Chips, and I enjoyed it. So, you know, tweet at me. Give me a little, put a little pressure on me. Maybe I'll watch Terminator 2. All right, close out the show. One final question. Something that no one is wondering about, but someone asked anyways. Cody Workla at CWorkla on Twitter asks, What's been your go-to quarantine beer? Uh, I, I'm, I've kind of given up couch beers, not entirely, but I've, I've limited couch beers. Uh, most of my alcohol consumption comes out of the house. Uh, mostly that's like a caloric intake thing and a, like a hangover aversion thing. Um, but I don't go out of the house anymore. So I've reintroduced the couch beer into my lifestyle. And mostly that couch beer has been gin, <laughs> which is not a beer. But a spirit. And I've mostly been drinking Freeland Gin. It is a distillery based here in Portland, Oregon. Women-owned and operated. One of the few women, fully women-owned and operated distilleries in America. They make fantastic gin. I can say without a doubt it's the best gin I've ever had. They are not paying me. If someone from Freeland is randomly listening to the Lockdown Blazers mailbag in April when the season has been on a hiatus for a month, get at me. I I will gladly promote your spirits on this here podcast but uh beers i've been drinking freem lager and the hell's lager from fort george in astoria keeping it keeping it somewhat local with uh, freem from hood river and uh fort george out there in the oregon coast those are my beers those are my answers and those are all y'all's questions
I sincerely appreciate everyone who makes Mailbag Monday possible. That's those of you who submit questions. That's those of you who listen each week without submitting a question. That's those of you who listen every other week without submitting a question. And those of you who have listened once. I love Mailbag Monday. Makes my week each week to record this episode, to interact with you, and to answer your questions, and to hope that this show brings you a little bit of joy and maybe a little bit of insight along the way too, but I'll settle just for joy. Later this week, I don't usually give away podcast content, but later this week, I am going to roll out two episodes focusing on the greatest Blazer team of all time. If you are a Blazer fan, you get two guesses which is the greatest Blazer team of all time, and the first one does not count. You know which team it is. But that's what we got coming this week. The whole Locked On Network is doing best team in franchise history. So we got two really fun episodes. I've already, I don't know if written them is the right word, but I've mapped them out. I know what they're going to be. I'm very excited to bring them to you. So we got more fun stuff coming. In that vein, tell your friends about this podcast. Even though there is no basketball season, there is fun basketball stuff to talk about and consider. This is a great week to get on board because, you know, pretty much every week is a great week to get on board. But this week especially, because we've got fun stuff. We've got fun stuff across the network. It's a great time to get involved. So tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it where they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We are there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.